Hi, this is Omar WJ. It's uh, 9.41 a.m. Arabian Standard Time. I just heard this uh, um, news segment on YouTube, and I will play it for you. While election votes are still being counted and legal battles are playing out, the pandemic is not on hold. The toll is climbing and we have crossed another unwelcome threshold. More than 100,000 cases in the U.S. in a single day. Each of nearly two dozen states recorded more cases in the past week than in any prior week-long span. And 16 states reached highs for COVID-related hospitalizations. More than 234,000 people in the U.S. have died. Dr. Carlos Del Rio is a professor of infectious diseases and global health at the Emory University School of Medicine, and he joins me now. Dr. Del Rio, thank you very much uh, for being here. What did, what did these record high numbers tell us about what's going on? I think they tell us that we have a pandemic out of control right now in our country, and it's spreading both in urban and rural settings, and it's spreading across young and old populations. So we really have uh, basically a, a forest fire that we're not, we're not controlling. What, it, what does it say, as we have heard tonight, President Trump? ...about corruption. Trump's attempt to throw Biden off didn't seem to work. Anticipating this line of attack, the former vice president turned corruption accusations back at Trump. While election votes are still being counted and legal battles are playing out, the pandemic is not on hold. The toll is climbing and we have crossed another unwelcome threshold. More than 100,000 cases in the U.S. in a single day. Each of nearly two dozen states recorded more cases in the past week than in any prior week-long span. And 16 states reached highs for COVID-related hospitalizations. More than 234,000 people in the U.S. have died. Dr. Carlos Del Rio is a professor of infectious diseases and global health at the Emory University School of Medicine, and he joins me now. Dr. Del Rio, thank you very much uh, for being here. What did, what did these record high numbers tell us about what's going on? I think they tell us that we have a pandemic out of control right now in our country, and it's spreading both in urban and rural settings, and it's spreading across young and old populations. So we really have uh, uh, basically a, a forest fire that we're not, we're not controlling. What, it, it, what does it say that hasn't been done that should have been done? Well, there's a lot of things that could have been done. And, you know, it's always difficult to, to play, you know, Monday morning quarterback. But there's still opportunity to do something. There are several things. Number one, we've never had a national strategy. We've had each state has had its own strategy. And as a result of that, it's really hard to fight, you know, it's really fight to fight a, fight a pandemic with 50 different plans. Number two, we've never had a coordinated approach in looking at what we're going to do. So, for example, having a mass mandate across the country, yes, would be difficult, but not impossible. And it's something that could certainly be coordinated as you're having more and less cases in a community. You can decide what exactly what interventions you need to do. Our testing system has not worked well. You still have people, despite having a lot of tests, we still have people that cannot get a test result within 24 hours and, you know, are waiting four to five days. And again, if you wait for a test result for that long, a lot of more infections are happening. And our contact tracing is totally broken down. We have not done contact tracing appropriately. And then finally, I would say that, you know, we really are, are focusing too much on 
are not doing things that need to be done. We're just saying let's open the economy, let's you know let let the virus run. When some things need to be done, for example, avoiding crowded places, avoiding indoor settings, certain things that could be done to prevent the widespread events that we know are important in the super spreading events in this pandemic. So where does the responsibility, where does the blame lie here? Well, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, the blame has to lie on the administration. I think one of the big mistakes the administration did is I don't think they ever took this uh, seriously enough. They started well by having the task force, but then they rapidly inactivated the CDC. The CDC has been absent throughout this pandemic, and I think not having the CDC play a critical role in this pandemic is is really one of the missed opportunities and one of the most uh, dreadful mistakes we've had. They politicized CDC, and that, of course, has has had tremendous consequences because CDC has not been able to make you know, public health uh, in, uh, recommendations. They've been able to do recommendations that have been you know, sort of doctored to fit the, the, the needs of, of the administration. And then finally, the administration really has instead of taking a central role, for example, advocating the uh, an act to start having a, a mass production of, of PPE, they sort of have left it up to the states and have said the states need to fight it among themselves about getting testing, getting PPE, and that has been uh, not well coordinated and that has had uh, consequences as a result of that. I want to I want to ask you, you know, about what should be done next. But before I do that, I mean, I have to point out that it's not just the United States that's seeing a surge in COVID again. It's happening across Europe. Um, so it, this is taking place in other parts of the world. Absolutely. And I've talked to colleagues in Europe and the colleagues in Europe recognize the mistakes they made. They made the mistakes that I think we all making, which is number one, people are 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 tired of the pandemic, right? There's there's COVID fatigue. So when we when we locked down initially to to prevent cases from going up, people thought that that would be enough to to control the virus. But they didn't realize that the moment you let go of those those restrictions, if you don't put in place masking and social distancing and other non pharmacological measures, the virus is going to come back and it's going to spread very rapidly. Europeans saw this very quickly. People started going out, started gathering, going to bars, going to restaurants. Young people started traveling and going to places. And without the restrictions of, of, of you know, without the pharmacological measures of masking and, and social distancing, then immediately there was spread of the virus. And by the time you have a widespread of the virus, it's really hard to control. So they made the same mistakes that we are making. And without, again, Europe is much like the United States. It's not one block, but it's multiple countries doing different things that have not been really well coordinated. Well, you described a number of things that should have been done differently at the at the national level, at the federal level. What about, we're heading into the Thanksgiving holidays uh, in, in just a few weeks. What is your advice uh, on a personal level to Americans, given where we are in this pandemic? You know, I think I think it's very hard to tell people don't get together for the holidays. But I would recommend that you get together in smaller groups. I would try to keep that under 10 individuals. I would tell people to, if you're the group that you're going to get together with, have a, have a, have a discussion with them and say, let's all, you know, quarantine ourselves, avoid contact with other, with others for the next uh, two weeks before the, the, before we get together, let's get tested before we get together. Let's get retested as, as soon as we arrive to our destination. I mean, there's things we can do, you know, wear masks, uh, try, if, you, if the weather is good enough, try to do it outside instead of inside. So there's things you can do to actually prevent a spreading event. But I would certainly not recommend, you know, I tend to frequently, my family and I would get together and have 20, 25 people for Thanksgiving. I don't think that's a good idea. And I, again, I would really think you need to have a very good discussion about 
what's a safe thing. And I would avoid having people that are high risk. If you have an elderly relative, it's probably not a good time for them to be at Thanksgiving with you. Dr. Carlos Del Rio at Emory University, we thank you very much. Okay, um, I'm sorry to that I played some of that a second time by mistake, but it's uh, um, sounds like um, I mean it's it's good to hear that again for one of my listeners who who uh, speaks English as a second language and. And I think he's listening to this or trying to listen and understand to make his English better. Also, you know, those numbers just kill me. Um, you know, it makes me um, really sad because things can be different, you know. Um, um, just a moment. Okay. So I'm going to play another thing. Um, and this is from NPR. Um, okay. Shortness of breath and a dry cough are often telltale signs of COVID-19. But even early on, doctors realized the virus can inflict all kinds of other damage, from strokes to strange rashes. What do these symptoms have in common? As Willstone reports, many researchers are focused on how the coronavirus sabotages our blood vessels. Picture a skating rink before a hockey match. The top layer of ice is glassy and slick. The players and pucks glide smoothly across. Dr. William Lee says that ice is like the lining of your blood vessels when you're healthy. But during a coronavirus infection, the virus damages the inside of the blood vessel and shreds the lining. That's like the ice after a hockey game. The lining becomes ragged and leaky. Things start to get stuck. And you wind up actually having this situation, which is really untenable for blood flow. Lee and an international team of researchers compared the lung tissue of people who died from COVID-19 with those who died from influenza. They found stark differences. For example, the COVID lungs had nine times as many tiny blood clots. The surprise was that this respiratory virus that gets into the lung makes a beeline for your vascular endothelial cells, the cells lining blood vessels. These endothelial cells are a vital part of the vascular system, coating the inside wall of every artery, vein, and capillary. If the novel coronavirus is wreaking a special kind of havoc on the endothelial cells, as Lee and other scientists think, that helps explain why COVID complications can appear anywhere in the body. The uh, effects in the brain, the blood clots um, in the lung and elsewhere, and in the legs, the COVID toe the problem with the kidneys, and even the heart. Early in the pandemic, Dr. Gaetano Santulli saw how many different organs could be affected, and he suspected endothelial cells might hold the key. Santulli's a researcher at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York City. He says consider what these endothelial cells do in a healthy person. Mainly the endothelial cell function are to avoid high blood pressure and to avoid blood clotting. But when these cells don't work properly, when they're dysfunctional, the opposite can happen. Santulli saw this with COVID and realized if there is endothelial dysfunction because of the virus, we can explain why we have an increased risk of blood clotting in COVID-19 patients. 
Scientists aren't sure exactly how COVID damages blood vessels. What's clear is the body's immune response often begins to spiral out of control. What we see with the SARS-2 coronavirus is really an unprecedented level of inflammation in the bloodstream. That's Dr. Yogan Kanthi of the National Institutes of Health. We start to get this relentless self-amplifying cycle of inflammation in the body, and that may lead to clotting. This is most striking in severe cases of COVID. And doctors who care for these sick patients, like Roger Schwelt, have come to see COVID as a vascular disease, in addition to a respiratory illness. Schwelt is a critical care and pulmonary physician in Southern California. Early in the pandemic, he noticed the patients who ended up in the ICU tended to have diabetes, high blood pressure, or were obese. All those conditions can damage the blood vessels and cause inflammation. So if you catch the virus on top of that, it's a stress test. If you're right on the edge and you get the wind blown from this coronavirus, now you've gone over the edge. And he also noticed that the patients hospitalized with COVID are different from those hospitalized for respiratory viruses, like the flu. They are having shortness of breath, but we have to realize that the lungs is more than just the airways. It's an issue with the blood vessels themselves. That's why COVID patients can struggle to get enough oxygen, even if air is being pumped into their lungs by a ventilator. Schwelt says even after breathing improves, some patients still have damaged blood vessels. They're now off oxygen. They can be discharged home, but their vasculature is not yet completely resolved. They still have inflammation. So what does this mean for COVID treatment? Doctors are already using drugs to manage inflammation and prevent clots, though they're still working out the best combinations and dosages. But they're also looking at more direct ways of protecting endothelial cells to prevent blood vessels from breaking down in the first place. For NPR News, I'm Will Stone. Okay, so... um, um that's better said than I say anything. Um, and that's a lot of information. Um, you know, big thing is don't get COVID-19. That's the number one thing. And um, how can you not get COVID-19? Avoid super spreader events. Okay. Now I get to go to super spreader events um, at least once a week. Okay, um, until somebody, until somebody dies, there's not a problem. Okay, it's just like uh, uh, nobody seems to remember that um, um, here in Saudi Arabia, Mecca and Medina were the Corona hotspots for the longest time, and um, the mom was the first place, and um, um, you know the. Government wants to, okay, I don't know what the government wants, but I heard that the first COVID-19 here was blamed on people who had been to Iran, okay? And I know that in Iran and Iraq, they were, in Iran, they, um, um, they um, um, restricted access to the Shiite shrines over there. Um, I know less about Iran than I do Saudi Arabia. And what I know about Saudi Arabia, you can fit in a matchbox. 
I think. Um, um, so, uh, anyway, I'm still doomed, you know. Um, Americans aren't flying now. So, um, I think that my idea that the best way, to, the fastest way to get COVID-19 is to take a flight, um, especially a long one where you're sitting there with six hours with people who can't keep their masks on, who are dedicated not to keeping their masks on. Um, I guess I'll na name this one Real Men Do Wear Masks, okay? Um, and... Um, I'm sitting here today waiting to hear about um, the end of the reality TV show, President. Um, I guess that won't happen until this afternoon. It's uh, Friday here. This is... Um, um, this is Omar W.J. Um... I um I honestly feel like the news clips for the podcast are better than than um what I have to say. It kills me my my manner of speaking kills me but like I said um this guy from New York told me, "Oh, you you sound more authentic." Okay. Um I don't hear anybody speaking this way on the radio unless it's um some kind of local local radio. I did used to listen to Korean radio and I used to hear Koreans hum and ha, okay? Um, like, ah, okay. Um, so, let's see. What have I heard new about COVID-19? Nothing that I can remember offhand. I did... Um, Save a link from Vox.com, but uh, um, um, I think all it says is um, the USA broke a new record, 100,000 cases. And, uh, um, you know, the reality TV show president has told his um, acolytes, I mean, it's like a cult from what I understand. Um, and then, uh, it, it, just, it just kills me what I hear. I, I just hope I am hearing what I hear is that I'm per perceiving as uh, outliers. But what I've seen on the maps, um, until this year, I didn't really understand that the country has gone for the GOP. Um, uh, let's see. I wrote some notes here. Um, oh, for headlines. Um, let's see. The uh, three results from the election. Populism and QAnon are winners. And it's now a G uh, Republican's wet dream. Uh, with the Senate, Senate majority. We can have tax cuts, deregulation, 
environmental de deregulation, climate change denial can run rampant. Um, we're on track to go above 450 parts per million. Uh, I haven't checked that number for a while, but I know we're well over 400. Um, a, um, I guess he would be called a dyed-in-the-blue Republican, said to me he never understood the scope of pollution until he went to Guam. Um, until you go to the Houston Ship Channel and you see everything along that ship channel for like 20 miles it's a you know it's a river 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 ship channel i can't remember the not the, what the mates want to call it um it looks like that star trek movie the first one where there's the the american voyager spacecraft encounters an alien entity and then it becomes this whole planet um, that's a machine. Um, um, and it returns to Earth looking for uh, um, looking for human beings. Um, um, uh, the creator, okay. Um, this is in the 80s, so um, you know, they're real happy to make that kind of uh, um like religious reference. What else? Oh, I was going to say that uh, the American embassy in um, Manila is on Manila Bay. And I remember being there and it's like I could see three, um, you know, from, I don't know. I guess it went out like 20 meters of Coke bottles floating there. Um, Coca-Cola is supposed to be the number one producer of plastic bottles in the world. So, um, you know, it's impossible to... I'm looking at um, a whole bunch of plastic bottles in my place. Um, the water at Tamimi is so cheap that I just keep on buying it this way. I can get... Um, uh, let's see, the water across the street used to cost me, um, six or seven reals for, um, uh, 16 liters and for, um, um, uh, 20, 20 reals, I get uh 24 liter and a half bottle. So you can do the math. Um, for me, it's, it's, uh, convenience because uh, since I got to go to uh, uh, my super spreader event each week, I um, have my driver stop at uh, Tamimi because um, um, I can throw him a couple extra bones. Um, for me, it's, it's a bargain. Uh, his, his uh, service and also he's reliable. That's, that's um, it's worth a peace of mind rather than wondering, oh, oh, is uh, Hamid gonna show up today, or or is he got to take care of his sick cousin? Six, um, um, he's gonna send me a message. Oh, I have to uh, watch my um, uh, 
the dog of my sick cousin, whatever kind of nonsense, you know, I get to hear every day from at least one of the students. Um, okay, sorry to share. This is 24 minutes. Um, excuse me, pardon me. This is Omar W.J. Um, just doomed. Gonna, gonna die from COVID-19 here, I'm sure.